yes, oh yes, oh yes. You know what that sound means, it, don't you, David Berge? It, it means it's time to walk like some trees. <laughs> That's right. This is Like Trees, walking the podcast where we talk about the most important things in life, the most important things to consider. We do it from a Christian perspective. These are serious questions, Dave. Yeah, but you know what we're not doing? What? 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 What are we not doing? We we're gonna take these serious questions, but we are not going to take ourselves so seriously, <laughs> sir. <We're laughs> I'm doing my best, Keith Ol- Keith Olbermann. That was, sir. You were. What were you doing, sir? You <laughs> disgrace, sir. I almost don't believe the that he uh, thinks very highly of these sirs that he's criticizing. <laughs> I know. It's, it's almost <laughs> as though he's he's mocking them <laughs> through this overly respectful tone. Yeah, you might say, but enough about Keith. Enough about Keith. Uh, this is Michael J. Nelson, and you are. Oh, I am. I oh, caught me in a coffee swig. Yeah, I delicious did that on coffee. Purpose. By the way, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Um, I am uh, the Reverend, um, the Reverend David Paul Berge, or D. Paul Berge. Um, that's good. I think that's yeah, your uh, yeah. sort of NPR name, yeah. D. Paul Berge. We're talking to D. Paul. It sort of sounds like Deepak. Chopra a little bit, doesn't it? Or yeah, no? that gives it a nice twist, though. It yeah. gives you an import. Yeah, like, oh, he sounds like that, but always oh, this. Yes, gravitas. Like I'll, we'll go with it. I like it. All right. Well, we are uh, appled up. Those of you who follow us know that uh, we've practiced the old tr- tradition, which I did not know about until you brought it to my attention, that uh, real broadcasters have bowls of apples oh. in the studio <laughs> and eat them, hopefully, before they go on air. I think Chewing an apple is possibly the worst thing. <laughs> what, yeah, what's the worst thing that you could eat whilst like recording? Something? Oh, I suppose the uh, the the ramen noodles. You know, the slurping that they do. That would be... <laughs> yeah, slurping <laughs> yeah, is probably very... a worse noise than chewing. That'd be very unappealing. Uh, but we have a great show. Our voices, hopefully, are in good shape. Oh, we haven't recorded yeah. in a little while, so we're you know kicking the rust off the pipes, and and it's extremely cold outside. Just. Yes, uh, this is Minnesota. So, what is the temperature out? Uh, when I came in, it was uh, the radio said it was minus eight degrees air temperature, um, and we're in the mid mid negative twenties with the wind chill. Yeah. So, for those of you who, let's say, are in California or uh, Arizona, minus is actually you've never you don't even know what that is. It's a thing on your thermometer that you've never seen, and it's a very very cold. But our show today, we have the big question of the day. Um, we also have a new department, and uh, Dave, I'm excited about this. This is another putting you on oh. the spot, which is my favorite thing you're in a, the world. You're absolute, <laughs> you're, you're joy in life. So thank and, you. And uh, that is a uh, classical music quiz. So we'll be... Uh, dun, 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 dun. We'll be, dun, 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 dun. Well, maybe. I hope maybe. that's there. We'll see. I hope that's there. And uh, so people out there listening, get ready. Remember your, I suppose you had a junior high music appreciation class. This is not that hard. I, I am a classical music aficionado, but I'm not going to lord that what over anyone. What about classic rock? We'll do that next time. Some Zeppelin, man. Oh, do you, Stephen Tyler will come to our house and arrest us if we <laughs> try to play any classic rock. We don't own that, man. Classical music belongs. Oh, that's right. Oh, to the everybody. People. Okay, that's right. Yes. All right. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to our big question. You posed this, so I'm going to let you take the reins. I will. Um, and this is actually revisiting something that we brought up in a very, very, very early episode of Like Trees Walking, where we said, hey, maybe we'll get back to that. And that was just talking about, you know, what is our um, favorite argument uh, in favor of God. So 
not that this is the be all end all of sort of apologetics, which is ex- explaining the you know reason reasonableness of faith. But there are a lot of arguments that have been made over the years. Famously, there was Thomas Aquinas, Saint Saint Thomas Aquinas, uh, and his five ways. Um, that these are these are arguments that 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 prove in a sense, or I would say uh, the way I would state it is, they are strong arguments in favor of the likelihood of there being such a God um, as as the God who 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 Christians worship. At, right. At there's least no, such there's a God no mathematical creator. certainty anywhere. None, no. of, none of us can have that. That's too bad. We'll maybe, if there is a heaven, we'll get there and there'll be some sort of mathematical certainty with which we can prove things. But here on earth, we don't have that. So what is your my favorite? best? Is it your favorite or your sort of your best? Like the one that that compels you or the one that you think it comp- is most compelling and and maybe that's splitting hairs but you know what I'm saying yeah I do so I would say that this is one that I find pretty pretty compelling when you said if there's a heaven I want it made me think of this Tupac song where he says I wonder if heaven's got a ghetto Wow. We'll maybe take that. We'll <laughs> yeah. maybe tackle that in another yes, episode of Like Trees Walking. That's our special hour edition. Oh, uh, Dave, does heaven have a ghetto? <laughs> Let's talk. All right. Well, yes. you, um, uh, no, but so my favorite. So I digress. But my so my favorite argument. I, I, I and this is a form of the teleological argument, uh, which is the things have at, like ends for which they were made. Like there's a purpose, a, yes. pur- a purposefulness behind. Um, the universe and the, the 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 natural order, and it's um, it's the, the version of the teleological argument. Though it's, I feel like it's related to the cosmological argument too, which is like the existence of the universe being an argument for the existence of God, and it's the kind of the fine tuning argument um, uh, mm-hmm. captured in books like uh, and and so yeah, if you want to buy stuff off, off of uh, make an Amazon wish list or get something for yourself, there's a book called Cosmic Jackpot by a, um, a physicist named. Paul Davies and and he's oh, not yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, he's not a Christian himself uh, I don't think but just saying wow like there's all of these basically um, constants that are baked into the fabric of the universe from its inception that if you were to vary these things um, you know by even a, a a microscopic amount the there it wouldn't be possible to have the kind of life that we have here on Earth. And so, you know, you look at this and you go, how many things sort of had to go right? It's also kind of goes as the kind of called the Goldilocks argument as well, right? right? Like, like this universe is too hot. This universe is too cold. And I mean, I think literally it, it is kind of that way. Like you can mm-hmm. have a universe that's way too hot, a universe that's way too cold. But this one is just right. And right. so, um, like, wow, you know, all of these things had to go right to enable, like, conscious sentient being such as ourselves to exist and be aware of the universe in that something is you know is is very compelling to me and i think also when you when you talk about just sort of the um the odds when you get into the statistics of this being possible by chance i mean we're talking you know astronomical i mean we're getting i think literally into the realm of you know how many monkeys in a room mike like banging on typewriters you know writing the works complete works of william shakespeare i mean i think we're in the same sort of statistical realm as that so this isn't you know this there is there is more work to go when you say the specific claims of christianity you know are are of a different order than just saying wow like there seems to be um a purposeful intelligence behind um behind the universe yeah a lot of non-christians can 
agree with that, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So this isn't, you know, sl- slam, this isn't a slam dunk swinging on the rim. But, you know, I feel like it's a very, very, very compelling case that this is not, uh, that this is not an accident and we're not here by accident. And our ability to be aware of the universe and be asking these questions are not accidental in, in, any, in any sense at all. And isn't the, um, this is just speculation, or maybe I've read this somewhere, I don't know. Um, the multiverse argument is something of a reaction to the teleological, right? I think in, in that, so, yeah. And, and explain the multiverse and what that, you know, just give give us the layman's, the pop theory the, of that, and then <laughs> what it is and what it means for the teleological well, argument. Well, I think it's that our universe, and you, you, you correct me if my layman's version, you give me your lay correction of my layman's okay. version. <laughs> and somehow we'll cobble together an actual... <laughs> it's amateur hour here yeah. on Like Trees Walking. But uh, so the multiverse theory is that like our universe is only one of an infinite number of alternative universes. Correct, Mike? Right. And so... The fine-tuning is not actually there. We just happen to live in the universe in which things accommodate us. And, and But there's a bunch of universes out there that do not, and so therefore, so big deal. So you just happen to live in this one, I think is That's, pretty much Yeah, the... Yeah, and and to me, I think that the, what I've never understood about the multiverse theory is how do you know, like, how do you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the problem with it. There's no evidence for it. And, <laughs> and is it possible that there ever could be evidence for it? I, I don't know. I mean, this starts to get into the sort of theoretical physics, which, you know, again, it's kind of just so stories. You, sure, that's an explanation. The problem is there's no evidence for it, and there's lots of other explanations. But they too. would say, like, it's much more likely that there's just an infinite number of other universes than there's some sort of god or intelligence you know tweaking the levers or whatever sure oh yeah i think that's the i think that's the purpose of the multiverse is to i don't know if they would out and out say that but you know when you go in denying that there could possibly ever be a creator of the universe then you have to have these other explanations right yeah but the one we're living in geez seems like it's the just right bowl of porridge so yeah the 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 gold i guess i'll settle on my favorite version my favorite argument in favor of the existence of God, and that I find, I mean, just extremely compelling, um, to open the door to continuing questions of well, what's this God like, is is I'm going to call it the Goldilocks argument. That's a good one. Yeah, that's so, a good one. Yeah. I'll, can I lay out mine? Yeah. N- n- yes, I'm oh, very. Wow, you, 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 no, no, I was going to ask you. I was. You gonna wavered. Ask you. No, I just want. I thought maybe you'd have some follow up, but no, no, Mike. So I shared my favorite argument. I didn't. I hope I didn't steal. Your argument, as it happens, you did not. Ooh, um, well, what, it, Mike? What would you? What's what's your favorite? Wow, I'm glad you asked that, Dave. It's funny that that that, <laughs> that, that came up at all. <laughs> That's our transition, people. It's uh, smooth, it's <laughs> slick. Yeah. We're learning. We've learned so much this season. Uh, no, mine is uh, possibly most compelling to me, and I think to other people, is the moral argument. Um, morals exist. It's the one thing that almost no one can refuse because they're always asking you to do things. They, they have a lot of ought statements. You've heard us bring that up before. Ought, something that you ought to do means someone else is requiring something of you. Some other mind or entity is requiring something of you. And to me, the moral argument is morals exist. They can't have come from nowhere. It's, it's like a... Uh, if there's a letter in the in your mailbox, I've, I've heard this described this way, and then you say, well, where did that come from? 
No, it's it's just there. It's 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 just a letter. It's in my mailbox. But it appears to come from an intelligent. No, it's not. It's just there. That just seems to me impossible. And as soon as you you realize your soul is tied up with morals, you require things of yourself. You seem to have guilt. You seem to want others to behave in a certain way. How can that be possible? unless there's someone giving us morals. To me, that is the most compelling and, and hard to deny. So and, that, and, you know, atheists try to get around it in that, well, it was just, you know, it was bred into us. Well, then we don't have to obey it. Then it's not, it's not an ought then. It's just a thing like sneezing. You know what I mean? Yeah, so we can, just as we can take a pill to stop us from sneezing, Yeah, we could sort of overcome, There's we can overcome our our... our baked in morality that at some point perhaps conveyed some kind of survival advantage or group survival advantage or something like that. That's no longer binding or compelling upon us. And in, and in fact, perhaps of humanity coming of age is us casting off the shackles of our, you know, pr- uh, you know, primitive uh, evolutionary past, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there, it's expressed often in this way. This is, I think, sort of a cliche of this argument is that, um, Torturing babies for fun is always wrong in every time and every place and for everyone. And I, it's, you know, there's very few people who will disagree with that. Um, and so how do you get around that? Why, why does that seem to transcend everything, your place, your upbringing? It's because it comes from somewhere else. And uh, I just don't see any way around that. And therefore, that is the most compelling argument for God, for a mind who wishes things from us. And uh, and then that feeds into, of course, Revelation, where he reveals more of what he'd like us to do and behave and et cetera, et cetera. I think what um, uh, you bringing this argument up is... Is interesting because I've been th- I've just been thinking a lot uh, recently, and I I recently reread uh, I reread for uh, some sermon prep I was doing uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham Jail, and you read that, and it's ju- it's a moral argument. It's it's a moral fact argument saying uh, you know King is responding to these uh, clergy members who are sympathetic to his cause, but basically saying he's an outside agitator, and he makes this very strong moral case about you know just versus unjust laws and the laws of God versus the laws. Of, of humanity, and I think that language almost is, has no purchase on us anymore as he's using us, mm-hmm. as he's using it, like it's lost. And so we, we sort of lionize King or we, uh, you know, he just has a hagiography, a halo around his head and as sort of a figure who we don't actually engage with. And I think that would, would what would people do with that kind of argument in our sort of, you know... It, we're post-moral only in the sense that I think like the only binding morality that most of us would impose on each other is like, you know, do no harm uh, as you do whatever you want, as long as it's not hurting anyone else, you know, that's, that's sort of fine. But he's making these very sweeping moral claims like that there is a divine law, which is binding upon all people. And I just go, I think that our, our, our public, our, our national life is impoverished by the fact that we just don't, believe this stuff anymore right and we should right and you know you you laid out the the sort of basic theory of uh you know just don't hurt anyone and be nice and that's sort of the modern take on morality but uh the person uh, the response to that i think is why why should i yeah and-, and then what do they say to that well because that's because you should be nice to people i mean it's a circular argument and like that's not an argument for doing something the serial killer will go no 
now what? What? what Why am I wrong? I enjoy doing this. I, I this is I'm you know I'm avenging my my dog is telling me to do this. I I'm gonna obey him and so why you know so what would nietzsche do (laughs) but you know he's sort of saying yeah that christianity has imposed a slave morality you know that favors weak weakness over strength he would say no 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 listen we we we, we've we've debunked you know this slave morality that we've inherited the the triumph of the weak over the strong now it's time for us to reassert a sort of the, the master uh, morality, where we value things like that. Actually, previous societies that were pre-Christian did value honor, and strength, and power, mm-hmm. and victory. You know that those are value. Why, why aren't those? You know why, why aren't those values and value and a form of morality that we should embrace? Wow! In fact, very timely as we just read that in our Chesterton group, uh, the Ball and the Cross. There's a chapter of a of a philosopher sort of an orientalism that's a, a form of uh, philosophy around the turn of the 20th century i believe maybe earlier than that that uh, just you know the the worship of these ancient gods and of strength and of and yeah that's another take on it that plenty of people lived and still live that way but that's that's a tough one to get across. We got to we got to start our like book club side episode podcast. I yeah, that's right. we're gonna do that. So that's just a, that's just a part. Of, we're gonna have spinoffs already. We, Sweet, we already have spinoffs. <laughs> It'll be our Rhoda. Yeah, <laughs> that's too old a reference for you, Dave. Uh, Come on, that'll be our Fraser. <laughs> there you that's go. Still that's too at old least a in the wheel. Our Joey. Wasn't there a Joey spinoff? Uh, yes, there was. That's right. Was he the? Yeah. Well, I guess if it's Joey, he was the actual character. Yeah, it was Joey. Wow. What's the most recent spinoff of a thing, though? Uh, didn't uh, Seinfeld did produce? Didn't George have one? Or no, no. I'm it, just making Veep, that. Maybe I'm just is thinking Veep, of is no. Veep a spinoff? Of something? No, I don't. Maybe I'm just thinking of Joey. Then I don't know. It's just I. Yeah. Oh they, no! Wait. Uh, no, it's Kramer. No, they just tried new series with him. Right? They didn't. Like they built new sitcoms, but they weren't related to no. Seinfeld. Okay. No, I don't think so. Like the no, there was no. I, we haven't seen a spinoff recently. And Fuller House is a reboot. It's not a spinoff, so don't. Do you know what the? I think it still holds the record. And again, I'm wrong about pretty much everything I say on this. So take this with a grain Tom, of salt. Thomas Dolby. <laughs> Thomas Dolby. <laughs> He's in the Dolby family. Anyways, go ahead. But I believe that uh, the TV show. This is going way back. The TV show All in the Family had the most spinoffs. Because it had the Jeffersons and it had uh, the Facts of Life and just a whole bunch, and then there were spinoffs of spinoffs, and and so I think if you look that up, it had an enormous number of spinoffs. And could that be an accident? I, I don't know. No, that's an argument in favor of the existence oh, of a purposeful yeah. intelligence behind right. that, just like our universe, <laughs> which wraps right. it all up. And that's then... a good transition. Uh, all right. Well, those are our. Uh, our two arguments, uh, chew on those, think about them, look them up. There's lots of information um, in books and on the internet. internet dot, go to internet.com and search. You can find go it. Go to internet, internet.gov <laughs> and search Bing, and you'll find all the answers <laughs> you need. And uh, we'll be right back after this message from Pastor Dave. <laughs> Everyone, this is Pastor Dave. Thank you so much for listening to Light Trees Walking. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as Mike and I enjoy recording it. And so if you enjoy it, there's a few things you could do to really help us out. Uh, I'm so encouraged by the response so far. So um, if you have if you have responded, thank you. If you haven't, now's your time to do so. Go to the iTunes store 
and you can give us a rating and a review. We're at 19 five-star reviews. Wow, that is awesome. If we could get over 20 this week, it would be amazing. Also, um, if you have it in your heart and your soul to write a review for us, that's really helpful because that kind of lets people know that this show is good and what it's all about. You can go to um, Like Trees Walking Pod. That's liketreeswalkingpod.com. There you can listen to all of our old episodes. You can read our bios and you can sign up for our um, email newsletter. About once a month, we just send something out, a little a little Easter egg, a little bonus, just thanking you and giving you an inside look at the podcast and, and, and what we're doing as just a way to say thanks and to stay connected to us. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or you could follow at, at Michael J. Nelson or uh, at David underscore Bergie, um, and you can see what we're doing in the realm of social media. So those are all the ways to connect with us, uh, to be involved. Thank you so much for listening, and now let's get back to the pod. We are back after the appeal, the call to action. Yes, this is you don't just get to sit here and passively listen to this podcast. You are you are inspired to do something. So right now they're they've got their headphones on and they're they're running, they're scurrying, they're they're doing the action you called them to do. Thank you, thank so you. Thank if you, you can pay you. attention to two things at once, well, you're doing your bit of action. You can also listen to this. Let's wrap up what we talked about. This was our uh, what is your best slash favorite argument for God, and yours was? Mine was the Goldilocks argument that uh, this this universe which we inhabit, it seems to be just right, just, just so finely tuned that it gives rise to um, intelligent uh, creatures such as ourselves, who can reflect back on the, the nature of the universe. Uh, really, we are the consciousness of the universe itself, and hmm, isn't that interesting? <laughs> oh, I, I hit my mic. Sorry, very unprofessional. Yes, yes, yes. That's okay. But so, what? Yeah, what is? What does that tell us? That hmm, perhaps that we are the product of such a, a an intelligence behind the universe itself. That that we're that God made us to be able to be the, these kind of beings who inhabit this universe and can experience, from a Christian perspective, communion relationship with Him. And who famously puts forth this argument? I mean, I know a number of people, but who would you direct people to to see more of it? You would, had the Paul. Oh yeah, Paul Davis. I would say Paul. Paul Davies. Davies. Paul Davies. Cosmic Jackpot. Um, or why is the universe the way it is? I think that's maybe like the alternative title or British British title. I would say that that's a great place to go. It's a pop. It's like a, a popular level book that you can find. Um, I think it's from the late nineties, and and I'd say go to Cosmic Jackpot. That's 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 where I'd go to read that. Okay, and my argument was the moral argument. Morals are all around us. We swim in morals. We know they exist because we feel guilt. We require things of other people. We have laws based on morality, and therefore they seem to exist, and they can't just have come from nowhere. I thought they... you can't legislate morality, Mike. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Every a, single that's law a canard, legislates. That's a canard, folks. <laughs> yes. All right. So that's mine, and um, I don't know if I have a... Favorite. It's just I don't really have a source. I mean, I guess uh, you know, you know, C.S. Lewis advances it in in a lot of his books, um, but I, I don't know if there's one particular source. Maybe we can write something down below when I think of that. We could, and if you want to look at, um, I'd say the classic expression of these arguments in favor of God's existence, you're you're not going to find mine. But if you read Saint Thomas Aquinas's yeah. his five ways, um, that you know there. 
there is a reason that uh, he's, you know, the doctor of a uh, doctor of the church. He's a, you know, just brilliant theologian and thinker and philosopher and, and synthesizer. So uh, not like playing a synthesizer, but a synthesizer <laughs> of, of, of philosophy and reason. Um, you just go back and, and, and Google St. Thomas Aquinas, five ways, and you'll find it on the internet. Read it. It's very edifying, very interesting. Nice. And I did think of one source. I, I know I, I read it again and again. William Lane Craig has a book called Reasonable Faith. Uh, he advances the Kalam cosmological, but then he touches on a lot of the uh, the same sort of Aquinas arguments. So that's yes. another source. But he, he's pretty heady, and that's, you know, I don't I don't ask that you read it in one night. It's it's pretty thick reading, but he, very, very good. Kalam, not to be mistaken with um, the genie played by Shaq in the movie Kazam. <laughs> Kazam, our favorite Shaq genie movie here at Like Trees Walking. It's the official genie movie of Like Trees Walking. All right, well, it's quiz time. All right. Oh, now uh, we—I uh, think it was last. Was it, it was last episode that we had a rap? Yeah, wrap, wrap, wrap it up. Which was awesome and uh, was a cultural experience. And so I thought I'd go the other way, and we're going to have a classical music quiz. So as Dave pours his coffee there, which is fitting, I think, you have a nice cup of coffee and you have a nice sweater on, and you're going to uh, be tested on what? Just name anything you can name about this, okay, whether you can name the here. composer or the piece itself. Let me quick put my ascot on, Okay. All right, you got it. Oh, that looks nice. Oh, yeah, yes. wrapped it on. Yeah. Oh, and you already had a pipe. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. All right, it's classical music time. What is this piece? This piece right here. This is one of the most famous pieces in all of classical music. Um... <laughs> It's by Beethoven. It's got that fiery Beethoven feel to it, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it does. Is it? Uh, is it the Ninth Symphony? Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is correct. Yes, that is the famous fourth movement of the Ninth Symphony, which is the uh, eventually leads into the Ode to Joy. Oh, Freund. Nicked uh, something. No, <laughs> I believe the words mean "oh friend," not this, not this trouble, not this tempestuousness. Uh, and then the ode to joy comes in. So, yeah, that is correct. I'm very impressed. Wow, I'm I'm impressed too. <laughs> one for one. All right. Let's go. Uh, here's the second piece. Here we go. Also very famous. Uh, stirring. Great piece of music. Could be in like a Lord of the Rings movie. Um, is it uh, uh, Hector Berlioz? It is not. That's not a bad guess. That's I'm impressed with your uh, your ability to uh, to find a like composer. That is Dvorak. Ah, Dvorak. That is the uh, from the New World. What a great is, piece. Yeah, he's my favorite composer. As it happens, I love his chamber stuff more, but I'm a big fan of his. Oh. Uh, Orchestral stuff, too. Here is your third selection of classical music. You're one for two. One for two. People at home, play along. Mm 
perhaps also one of the most famous. This is not the most famous movement from it, but this is a very, very famous piece. Um. Does it recognize is it, it? Mo- is it Mozart? No, no. That one I'm going to take points off. Why? Because you're not even in the same... Oh no, man. <laughs> this There's is like from piano. the Romantic era. That is the Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto Number 1. That's just the second movement from it. So you're looking at me like with just loathing in your eyes, not like the, putting you through this. How can this. you pick the least, like not the most famous movement? From... Well, that's still pretty famous. All right, I won't do it again. Here you don't go. You, here's, don't here's you do next, that. Here's your next one. Here's the famous little the altos. Is it ringing a bell? No. Really? No. This is in a famous movie. It was it was famously done as the third act of a very famous movie. I literally the movie called. Amadeus. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's just Mozart. That's Mozart. It's Mozart's Requiem, and that is the Confutate from his famous Requiem. That, that wasn't sad. According to the movie, killed him. Did you see the movie? I did see the movie. Yeah, it was like. Did it get an Oscar? I, got, I think it got a ton of them. I think. I don't think it's like F. Age. Murray Abraham, the now household name. I believe he won an Oscar for. I'm kidding. Okay. He's a great actor, but. He won for that, and then we never really was he Sali, saw him again. Sal, Sal, Oh, was he Amadeus or was he? He was Salieri. Salieri, yeah. Salieri did a great job. I don't think that the movie's like aged that well. I saw it maybe two, three years ago. Oh, really? I I liked it. I I mean, I when I when I saw it when it first came out, I really liked it because I was trying to be smart. But, yeah. uh, but I still liked it enough. The music is good. All right. All right. Here's your next one. I think this one should be fairly easy, but we'll see. <laughs> Is it a waltz? You do recognize it, though. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. You can keep doing no, that, I or don't. you can... Oh, sorry. Whoa, I peeked out there. I don't know what it is. That is water music by uh, Handel. Wow, this is going badly for you. You're going down quickly. <laughs> As Mike, just keep Mike was prepping along. me, he was like, oh, this is. these are things you'll know. Moonlight Sonata? Oh my God! You're getting worse. <laughs> I I was so impressed at first that you pulled Hector Berlioz, and now you're going downstream. That is uh, that is Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach, because mm. there are many Bachs. That is sheep may safely graze. Why would they, why couldn't you give me like a fugue? Well, you wouldn't recognize a fugue. That's his most fugue. famous. I would know a fugue if it hit me. All right. Well, here's a little more for you. <laughs> Is this, is this Mozart? I hear a harpsichord. I hear a <laughs> Did harpsichord. Did Mozart exclusively <laughs> He only played the harpsichord. <laughs> all right, let's let people listen, because this is some of the most beautiful music of all time. Oh, it's a, a Vivaldi. Keep, just keep throwing guesses into the wind. That is, of course, six pieces for the Margrave of Brandenburg Schwedt. Mm, mm. In other words... The Brandenburg Concertos by Johann Sebastian Bach. I gave you two in a row. Can't you give me some Franz Schubert? Finally, this was going to be the hard one. This is the last one. 
and this was going to be the hard one, but apparently everyone was the hard one. <laughs> I, I challenge our audience at home to if any of you knew they m- aced it. More everyone than me. aced it. Everyone aced it. This was the easiest quiz I have ever put together. <laughs> Gosh, no. <laughs> All right, here we go. Did I turn it? Oh, there it is. give you a hint on this one yeah he's one of the s composers he uh famously ended his life i believe in an insane asylum Mm -hmm. uh schopenhauer this this piece was famously performed for years by the great alicia de la roca great kind of her showpiece this is of course carnival Mm. by Schumann. Schumann. Friedrich Schumann. I even gave you one of the S's. Oh, what did man. you say? Schopenhauer. I said Schopenhauer. I said the pessimistic philosopher. Too. So, wow, you started out of the gate just like like and a greyhound. I have to be honest, that was a, almost a pure guess. Oh, was it really? Yeah, so it was like, you know, a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while, and I started with the nut, so you thought I was really... It's like if you're watching someone shoot a basketball, and they make like the first two shots, and you're like, oh, yeah, this, yeah, they can really play. They're really good, and then yep. they, miss the next, they mix, miss the next 10. That's kind of how I felt. Well, I'm sorry to have put you through that. I thought it would be a, a welcome relief and a respite, but I didn't know how much you had classical music knowledge, so I guess we've learned how much you have. <laughs> But I can sing the, you know, different strokes theme song. I know Alan Thicke wrote that, the the late, now the late great Alan Thicke. Why don't you uh, do that as our out music? Well, the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you might not be right for some. Then man comes along, he's a man of means. Something, 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 they got nothing but their genes. Because it takes different strokes, it takes a different strokes, it takes... A different strokes to rule the world. Yes, it does. It takes a different strokes. It takes a different strokes. It takes a different strokes to something the world. Thank you, everyone. And uh, that was our out music, and this has been Like Trees Walking. <laughs> so thank you for listening. I hope that wasn't too painful, but, you know, Mike, uh, Mike has never been averse to inflicting pain upon people. No, indeed. And... Uh, next episode i have something else in plan but in store for you that is gonna i i have a much better feeling about this so don't worry about it folks thanks for joining us and consider our arguments for the existence of god look them up study them get back to us yes